0: The Incomparable Podcast, number 84, March 2012.
1: We are back on The Incomparable Podcast. I am Jason Snell, your host, and I'm joined by a single guest this time. It is John Siracusa. Hi, John. Hello, Jason. We are here to talk about the films of one particular director. Uh, It is Hayao Miyazaki, the Japanese uh, director of animated films, uh, many of which are near and dear to our hearts, so we thought we would take some time, uh, and and we've been running up to this because we did our children's film episode where we talked about this a little bit, and in the uh, in the draft of films, John specifically avoided drafting Miyazaki movies, um, and I had one on my honorable mention, but I didn't draft any anyway. But you may you may or may not. I mean, he's he's kind of a cult. Figure Right. I mean, the people who know him really know him and love him. And then there are lots of people, I think, who quite sadly have no idea who this guy is. And he's actually one of the um, great figures in animated film history.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed in our crop of nerds. That I th- I thought there would be more Miyazaki nerds. Even you uh, were not a Miyazaki nerd. You had seen some and liked them, but you had to do a bunch of homework for this episode to go back and watch some new films. I thought for sure there would be a better representation in the incomparable crew of people who are either into anime or know who Miyazaki is. Uh, but it was, looks like it was just me and then you as the uh, person who was willing to. Well, as the get host,
1: more. as the host, yeah. I am always up for. Uh... Well, that's not true. There are some things that I'm not going to do the research (laughs) on. But in this, I was happy to do it because uh, a couple of his movies are among my favorite movies of all time and ones that I love watching with my kids. And so I was happy to explore uh, further. But it's true. I'm sure there are some listeners out there who cannot believe that we couldn't gin up a third or fourth guest for this episode. But I figured at this point, you know, between the two of us to, to survey uh this guy's uh career when we're talking about Miyazaki with what does he have like nine feature films um so he, there's a lot to talk about i think we could probably go film by film and talk about them a little bit and honestly i think that that we could take one or two of these movies and spend a full hour just on them so between the two of us you can you can go you can go with the deep knowledge or i guess the broad knowledge of his career and i can go deep with a few films and then i can chime in on a few others but um so so, where should we start? He, he, Miyazaki actually did some, um, some comics, some ma- manga,
0: before he, he started doing uh, films, right? Uh, that's one thing I don't know about. I'm not a Miyazaki historian. I, I did not follow I his think... career from So from my the understanding time...
1: is that Nausicaä is actually based on a manga that he worked on.
0: Yeah, a lot of his movies are based on works that are not his. So he's not right. one of those people who has to write everything that he creates uh, or originate the intellectual property, as we now call it.
1: Right, right, and he's also got some interesting. Uh, these films are fascinating. I mean, the first the first movie of his that I saw was actually Spirited Away, which um, won the Oscar for best animated feature, and um, that is a that is a really strange movie. And I remember seeing it and thinking parts of this are really beautiful, and then there are things that happen in the plot that I I just got the distinct feeling that despite all of the presumably careful translation that went into the movie in making it for an english-speaking audience that the that there were massive cultural gaps that i could not understand that that and i kept thinking to myself i'm sure what i just saw made sense to people in japan but i have no idea what is going to happen now like took things that happened completely out of the blue which i actually love i mean there's some scenes in there that that i um where in spirited away where there's the what the, the the faceless the no face guy and he ends up like vomiting everything <laughs> it's he's eaten and and i thought well sure of course that would happen he he he, he there's a, like a, a slug that gets thrown up and i mean it's and, and it's just it was so weird and and so i didn't watch any other movies of his for a while because that that is a very
0: strange movie do you, have you watched any anime in your uh, sorted past of being a teen comic book nerd slash no, whatever. No. I am completely
1: anime illiterate yeah. beyond the um beyond the American uh, Americanized version of uh of I guess it was uh, Battleship Yamato, but it's Star Blazers basically was the only yeah. m- only anime that I ever uh,
0: that I ever saw. And so when I saw Spirited Away I was like, "Whoa, this is interesting." <laughs> so so when you watch a lot of anime or uh, uh, you tend to uh get steeped in Japanese culture without even knowing you are, because you don't know where these things come from. But once you see the same type of thing in 20 different anime, you're like, that must be a thing, because surely these 20 different people ha- aren't didn't arrive at this strange thing that's strange to me as a, as a Westerner on their own. And so by the time Spirited Away comes along, if, like me, you spent your teen years watching all the anime you could find, uh, Spirited Away... Seems, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not weird. It is weird, but it's kind of like the same kind of weird that ah, you're used to. It's consistent, and, <laughs> yeah. And within the realm of anime, I would say that, like, if if you had never seen a movie before and then you saw, oh, I don't know, I got to pick a director, like a, 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 a Terrence Malick, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Like, if, if there are some, you know, there are directors and there's films, and then there are the the ones that we put up on pedestals as these great directors or whatever. Uh, anime is similar. There's anime that's, you know, there's Michael Bay anime, to, to put it <laughs> bluntly. Uh, and and then Miyazaki is definitely one of those big names. He's the Scorsese. He's the Coppola. He's right. the, even the, the the Quentin Tarantino sometimes, kind of all rolled into one. So uh, although I was a big anime fan when I was a teen, as I got older, I came to narrow my appreciation of, of Japanese animation and say, well, I only want the good stuff. Kind of like you with, uh, with Watchmen. I just listened to that Watchmen episode where you said... That after Watchmen, you're like, well, why, why am I bothering with this well, Yeah, comic why am I reading books? this crap? <laughs> yeah, because like, look, the Watchmen showed how it's done, and anything that doesn't live up to that standard seems like I'm wasting my time. So once I discovered the Studio Ghibli movies and Miyazaki, uh, and discovered this little little tiny sliver, as it is in all media, of really really great Japanese animation, I became much less interested in the more sort of schlocky stuff right and
1: i'm sure i mean i i don't want to say anything negative about anime fans because i'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff out there but i do get the sense um that uh it can be well as an outsider i find that kind of off-putting right there's so much detail and people who know about this stuff and um and so when I say we're spending an hour talking about a Japanese animation director, I know that might even come across as being kind of like really esoteric. And I think that's the, the primary point I wanted to get across in this episode is, you know, Miyazaki's got some stuff that's that's more out there, but he's got some – he's he's made some movies, especially for kids, that I would put up against any any movie made, animated, appropriate for children – in the history of film, he—he, he, yes. he, you know, it's—it is like you said. He's not only a master of the anime genre, but he's somebody who who really transcends it. And that people who've never seen, like me, who've never been swimming in in anime, uh, can really appreciate the work he's done because it, it is uh, remarkable. Some of the films are really transcendent. And once you've seen his work, you watch other movies of his. As I've been doing, uh, winding up, you know, my research for this episode and you as with a great director you begin to see um his style everywhere <laughs> in in his work and his influence in other work which is actually great so you know don't if you haven't seen miyazaki's movies we're going to talk about them but um you should see them they're really good
0: yeah, yeah. and i think that that the, the strangeness of japanese culture is kind of a barrier it it's maybe kind of like someone who hasn't read a lot of superhero comics being able to Appreciate the Watchmen, because the Watchmen isn't like a typical superhero comic, but it really, really helps to have a background in superhero comics to fully appreciate it, and so you don't get, like, put off by the things that are weird, but that are not weird if you've just soaked in superhero comics for for decades, right? So some a lot of people I know who will see a uh, Studio Ghibli movie or Miyazaki movie or any kind of anime— and are and can't get past the things they don't understand, whether they're Japanese cultural things, anime things, or simply different standards in what we think it's appropriate to show to children, or how movies should be structured. They can't get like they're looking at it. They're expecting it to be like a Disney movie or even like a Pixar movie. Uh, and I would say that Miyazaki's movies, as we'll see when we discuss them, are so far from being like a Disney movie, and they're far from being a Pixar movie. They do not have any interest in the formula for American uh, Western movies for adults or children. Yeah. They are structured differently. The characters act differently. Things happen are different. And it's sometimes difficult for people to get a grip on, I think.
1: And sometimes things happen. I mean, this is – and this is my thought while watching Spirited Away again was I? my wife and I watched that movie and, and I turned to her and after this one scene, which is something – I think it might have been the vomiting. It was, some, it was something like that, the stink spirit uh, that enters the bathhouse. I think it was the stink spirit. And everybody's like, "Oh, it's the stink spirit. It's here in the bathhouse." And I turn to my wife and I say, "Of course, right?" And, and and really, it's that moment of like going with it. Just like I am sure that there's a reason why this makes sense. I have no idea what it is. We'll just go with it, uh, you know. And, and I love that that it's kind of there are plot twists that happen in Miyazaki movies that are that I love because I cannot anticipate them because all of my programming. Uh, as you said all of my hollywood movie plot point programming um fails <laughs> and yeah. it's it's cr- actually it's great it's great to go wow i had no idea that would happen and you're completely unmoored from um what you realize is this kind of track that you've been on you're on you're on a, on, on on the rails and you're moving through the plot and then um with Miyazaki, you realize that, that you're not there is no track. No, there is no
0: track. It's a big open green field, and you're lost in it. You know, yeah, I, I almost feel that that uh, Westerners get more of, of a kick out of Miyazaki than even the Japanese, because a lot of things that are boring and normal and expected in Japanese culture are exotic and strange to us. And you're like, "Wow, what the, that? Who? How could they have come up with that idea?" And it's some sort of Japanese tradition for 300 years old that everyone in Japan knows about, and it's not interesting to them. Right. It's just like you know, whatever. Uh, I, Oh, they're washing the floors by holding little things and running with their little feet behind it. And they're like, isn't that interesting? I wonder how he came up with that. It's like, well, a couple of centuries of uh, Japanese culture brought that about. Uh,
1: yeah. But all right. So we should, we, should,
0: we should dive into one of
1: these. Yeah. So the, his his first uh, feature in the in the Studio Ghibli canon is Nausicaä of the Valley of the Wind from 1984, which is uh, a nice post-apocalyptic fantasy. um Patrick Stewart is the first voice we hear oh, in the U.S. No. You're going to talk about the, in the, I the American all dub. About this so we didn't yes. have this discussion
0: dub versus sub. Well, we should we're... have a, a brief moment on this. So yes, you watch, we should. You watch the dubbed version of all these. I, see. I
1: I did. I watched the dubbed version, even though in some cases I had access to the subtitled version. I am a I am a savage, uh, yeah. and also many of them I watched with my kids, and it was really not an option to show the 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 subtitle version yeah
0: so the reason most uh japanese animation fans dislike dub so much is that historically the people doing the dubbing were not talented and not numerous right. <laughs> not not numerous meaning they have like one guy do three voices in a movie and because they didn't really care you read the lines try to put some feeling right. into it whatever we uh, should have uh, done that for is... this
1: we could have each done voice of another <laughs> yeah. character and had a four-person podcast
0: <laughs> yeah i call lots oh. uh, that for the Miyazaki movies, though, they were acquired by Disney, and uh, everyone who's an animator uh, worships Miyazaki uh, of, of the current generation of animators. Uh, and so the deal was structured such that they couldn't touch a frame of the movies, as my understand They couldn't touch a frame of the movies, right. so they couldn't chop it up into little pieces. Uh, and the dubbing has been done with basically A-list actors. So you're talking about who, who is uh, – vo- I should have pulled up this page before I started this – but who was voicing uh, in, uh, Nausicaa? You've got Patrick Stewart. That's not bad for a voice.
1: Uh, Uma Thurman, fr- yeah. Shia LaBeouf is in it. Actually, Chris Sarandon from The Princess Bride is in it. Edward James Olmos, and uh, of course, Mark Hamill is the mayor.
0: Yeah, doing so, his it's, finest uh, Joker from Batman. So they're not skimping <laughs> on the voiceovers, uh, but the the one the one other reason I think most people who are into Japanese animation won't admit uh, why they like the the uh, listening to the Japanese is aside if they think they like, they like learning Japanese and it's interesting for them to learn a foreign language and picking up words and phrases is because when um, Westerners watch an animated movie in Japanese, they don't know. And assuming they don't know Japanese, they can't tell when the acting is terrible. And so they imagine that uh, the acting and the dialogue is much better than it actually is. Sometimes it is great and it is much better. In fact, almost all the time it is better than the dubs, but the ability to to not and it's freeing because you're like well that the line could have been delivered terribly but i don't know what the words it's were in that sentence so i have to read the subtitles and then you're at the mercy of the person doing the subtitling which is also an issue right uh, and, and the, the second reason is that when they dub it in, into english they tend to add stuff almost never remove they add stuff and if you, uh, this, you try this experiment for a couple of sections of the movie they will add usually expository dialogue that does not exist in the movie often when no characters on screen because they can't match it up with mouth movements because there's no no audio here at all and they're putting the exposition in there to try to explain to American audiences what the heck is going on something they wouldn't have to explain to Japanese right. audiences like oh this is the temple of whatever or this is where the spirits live or you know something that's like obvious to anyone in Japan and that kind of exposition is extremely grating to people who are you know imagine if they took your favorite movie and just added a bunch of x nothing worse than adding exposition it's like yeah, sure. okay just stop stop talking we know what this is and for someone who watches a lot of animation from japan we know this stuff too and we don't want those extra lines added so all these movies are filled with it every all the ones that you watch in the dubs and these are the some of the best dubs available anywhere good acting good effort generally an effort to be true to the spirit of the original lines and not a direct translation but Anime nerds tend to like subtitles, literal translations, no adding of any words. See, you know, I, I think that's a that's a high bar for for watching this though.
1: As a you know, and and normally I would, I mean, I would always choose a in a live action movie, I would always choose the the subtitles over a dub. Um, I I feel like with with animation, since there is there's a degree of matching of the dialogue, but you know, it isn't. It isn't an actor who spoke those lines at that time, or or is looping their lines exactly. It is, you know, a, an animation track that's recorded, and then the uh, the audio track, and then the animation happens. So it's a little bit artificial. So I, I feel like it's not that far removed. As a as somebody who is not well versed in this stuff, having those little bits of exposition probably helped me understand it. And also, I have to admit, the Miyazaki movies have have generally good dub tracks right like you said with with good actors and I, i would rather watch the you know watch the animation than be distracted by having to stop looking at what's happening on screen in order to read and go back and forth that said i will probably go back and watch these movies with the subtitles but as a first watch i really wanted to just have the experience of watching them and and uh, not have to read the subtitles to go along with it. But
0: and if you and if you see these things enough times, I think you'll be shocked to see. Wait, isn't there dialogue during this section? <laughs> Just long sections, long sections where there is no dialogue at all, and it's so weird because very rarely in live action. Like if you see a foreign live action movie, very rarely do they insert a bunch of English dialogue where there was no no lines at all from the actors because they happen to be off screen. Huh interesting and it's not they do a good job in these movies but large sections of the movies there is no one talking about anything and they just the plot advances by them showing pictures on the screen
1: so when master yupa emerges from the (laughs) from the 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 horrible plague um and we hear that he's patrick stewart or in your version great japanese actor goro naya (laughs) i guess thank you wikipedia um (laughs) anyway so we should we should get on with with nausicaa which is uh i was surprised by it is this apocalyptic adventure story with um what is it there's this there's this the toxic jungle the sea of decay that is destroying everything we're in like the far future and there's the apocalypse and and there's a princess of course who's like a fighter princess um and uh, I, I was surprised by this movie. I, I was um, my wife and I watched this without the kids. Um, it was uh, it's a it's it's really a crazy action movie more than anything else, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and and th- consider this. I, you're saying this is his first movie. I don't know enough about his history to say whether this is his first. He he did movies before I think Studio Ghibli was formed proper.
1: I think they uh, the consider this the
0: first in the canon. Right. And and it really is like, like especially for someone who'd seen uh, Kiki's Delivery Service and Totoro, it's like I'm gonna watch a, a Miyazaki movie. Probably weren't expecting no. like a, a blockbuster action movie structured pretty conventionally from from a uh, you know looking at the the, the whole of his work. It, you know, it's, it's a, it is like an action movie. You're like, where is this coming from? Is this, and this is, this is not like he eventually developed into making these big, giant action movies. No, right out of the gate, like, you know, with his first official uh, Studio Ghibli movie. It is, it, you can imagine this as a Hollywood movie, only, of course, you wouldn't have a female protagonist, and the, the, the plot would be different. But, like, there's a threat, there's, there's a post-apocalyptic world, there's giant insects, there's battles, there's armies all that stuff. And you're like, where is, is this the guy who made Toad Road, the big floating teddy bear thing? <laughs> it's not the same guy. Uh, but the, uh, the reason I wanted you to see this and uh, and a couple of the other ones too, is that in many respects, when I look at his work, it seems like he's remade this exact same movie several times <laughs> with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with with minor variations. And I think just in the little bits that you've watched, you can kind of see that in it. Oh, and yeah. it is And it is a different thread of his work. Like he makes these movies that are smaller and quieter and quote unquote for kids. This one was like for teenagers and not quiet and not small. There's explosions. There's guns. There's blood. There's guts. There's everything.
1: Yeah, it's um, it 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 reminded me. You're right. It was very different from the movies of his that I had uh, seen before. It did put me in the mind of the you know extremely limited other kinds of Japanese animation that I've seen that were more of the action variety. And I and I started to theorize as I was watching it, you know, maybe this is a director who kind of went in the other direction a little bit and sort of, like, started with things that were more the usual subject matter and then, you know, and then kind of rebelled and did things that were very, very different from these kind of sci-fi adventure stories. But, um, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, there's the, the, the princess and she's got her... Uh, She's got her like little flying machine right flying wing yeah, yeah, uh, which is pretty cool, and they're those cra- the crazy giant bugs the omu that that just kind of like they go on a rampage and they you know i, I, I they they come out of the out of the the jungle <laughs> and they just keep running until you i guess like soothe them in some <laughs> so, way so, they can be soothed and then, they, then they're okay strange even the,
0: even the subject matter se- though, though it seems like t- to you that it is very similar to the typical anime subject matter post-apocalyptic of the world we are weird creatures fighting he treats uh, miyazaki's all of his movies are there's a definite flavor to them that totally separates them in my mind anyway from other anime and huh. similar subject matter like you can tell from a second just just the way he treats the story and the characters and, and how it's all built around this now uh, I don't think I'm spoiling anything for anyone who's an adult who's going to watch this movie, but like, it, and this this is a, a sequence you see in many other things where there's an introduction to the world, and then there's a credit sequence. And I love his beautiful credit sequences where they will usually, through still images or uh, murals or whatever, show some sort of like, and here's the world you're entering into. And this, you know, the credits roll over. it. There's a musical score, and it says like, here's this world. There was a world, uh, and then this these big giants came along who have heads the top of which are shaped like ballistic missiles hint hint everybody <laughs> uh, and then the world ends uh and then uh, you know uh, there's this these legends that you know that Muriel they show at the beginning of nausica that is a thing right. that he loves to do and it is pretty effective uh and that's kind of like your introduction to this world and, and the, the entire movie is kind of a a lot of his movies are like this they have a pretty simple message but they're delivered in a way that smuggles that message in much better than say like Wally, like hey we shouldn't really pollute the Earth. Like this right. one is basically, hey we shouldn't really pollute the Earth and we shouldn't kill each other with nuclear weapons because it will poison the Earth for generations and or whatever. But as a as a younger uh, kid when I first saw this, I was fascinated by the sci fi story. Like wow, th- what would it be like if the Earth was total the world was totally destroyed and it was like two thousand years after that? You know, but you know some people were still around. How would they live? It would be like medieval. You know, it was kind of like, or would they have technology? Uh, and what kind of creatures would be prowling around. And within this world, they do have this, you know, cloying message about uh, can we all just get along and don't poison the earth and don't be mean to the bugs and stuff like that. Uh, But these characters and, and the way they live and relate to each other, and particularly the way the protagonist, like her path through the story, is very, very unlike anything in Western movies. Like when you have a princess in a Western movie, she does not follow the plot arc that this character follows in this movie definitely not this is the male lead role she's oh, yeah. the hero she fights things she saves people but she does it in a way that's not male testosterone or whatever Her, she's like she's like a pacifist hero like if we ever talk about uh return of the jedi we can discuss luke sure. in that role uh, she protects what, what, she okay. finds the baby right she saves the baby Omo. yeah that's she, like the, she's defending the the om- the, and she's helping the terrorists oh baby yeah yeah and you know and she she fights, but she also has, you know, typically stereotypical female sensibilities like, oh, don't kill the baby bug, you know. And, and it, this this also we'll talk about in the other movies. Who is the enemy in this movie? Who is the antagonist?
1: Well, isn't it the – I mean, it's like the, the people with the guns, right? <laughs> Basically, it's the I mean, so, it's the soldiers and the government.
0: Yeah, it's not the bugs. No. But they're the things that kill everybody or whatever. It's the, the people fighting each other, but every yeah. person who's fighting each other for the most part – is given a legitimate motivation for doing so. Who's who's the real enemy here? The the, the woman who was horribly mangled by the insect? You know, you, you can clearly understand her motivation. She's not a cartoon. The 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 two cities they're warring with each other and let the bugs overrun their own city so they could get the, the enemy. there. you know well, I everyone think the, has some yeah but the people to do in the, what you're doing. The,
1: you definitely read it as the people in the valley are are being invaded by these more militaristic people who don't you know who don't get it and that's the kind of why why can't we just get along and they're the ones who you know the bugs do a lot of damage but the bugs are kind of egged on by these by the kind of militaristic people who invade the little peaceful peaceful valley that's trying to just get along and survive and and uh and they lose their innocence when the giant flying airship thing crashes and and uh you see see another princess
0: the other princess is briefly on screen and what happens to the other princess you see her briefly she's in chains and you see you see the main character see that she's so badly injured that she's going to die and then she dies yeah not quite the same type of screen treatment that princesses get in disney movies no no so do you like this one how do you rate this one Uh, this is this was the first uh miyazaki movie i saw i saw it when i was very young and i made a Huge impact on me. Even after all the anime I'd seen, I I didn't know enough about anything really because there was no internet to know uh, why I like Japanese animation so much. But I but I could pick out that among Japanese animation, this one was different. I had no idea who made it or what it was or anything like that. I'm like, there's something different about this one, and that sensibility I, I just grabbed onto. Uh, now in in his canon it's not one of my favorite favorite movies but there are certain aspects of it that i really love i and a lot of my love of anime has to do with visual design and character design i really love the world that he's created there i love the bugs i love the wing yeah that that whole the, the way the airplanes look that stuff goes a long way for me just the art and the imagining of this place uh and the plot is one of his more conventional plots uh that that he repeats many different times but i i still enjoy it and it's and it's for some reason I have no problem showing this movie to my fairly young kids even though it's filled with blood and things dying and stuff because I think all the violence in this movie is handled in a way that I think it should be handled you know like it's not it's not glorified it's not gratuitous there are consequences for all of it uh and the main character is against it basically
1: right So we should move on to Castle in the Sky which is but- next Chronologically. Yeah. 1986. Um, uh, also referred to as what, La, La Puta or La, La Puta. I, they they pronounce it differently than you would actually pronounce it because I think it's a reference to Jonathan Swift. Yes. Um, but uh, then that means something really bad in, in Spanish, which it, <laughs> Jonathan Swift intended, but I'm not sure no, Miyazaki... Wait.
0: This bigger. is the reverse this is Western culture getting yeah. getting put through the grinder and then coming back it's like a game of telephone yeah you know? yeah
1: it's wacky but it just i mean castle in the sky I really like this one i I, I like this a lot this is this is um and this one has stuck with me longer actually than than uh the did the uh you know the 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 there's a well plus there's like zeppelins
0: right that's true well <laughs> think of the opening of this movie this is Nausicaa. all right take two. It, o- it opens yeah. with with an action scene then there's a credit sequence with music showing a bunch of uh, images explaining that how the world got to the state you're going to see it and then there's this big adventure and you know it is very much in a adventure movie uh, an action movie uh, and very different than uh, the typical kids movies like think of all the things that happen to these kids first of all there's the the main character potsu who's He's living on his own. He has no parents, but that's not that's not a big deal. He's like, yeah, of course. He's just like he's a, he's got a job. Yeah, he's working. Uh, there is a princess type character who is more of the typical princess type thing. But one one of my favorite the, one of the things that sticks with me in this movie, one of my favorite parts, is that uh, in in the very opening you have uh, what's the girl's name? I can't I remember. Yeah. She is uh, escaping from these people who are, look like nefarious government people, or whatever. And she's on the outside of this thing. I think it was an airship, wasn't it? That yeah, like yeah. It? It's, right. Well, it's yeah, it's an airship. All right, and she's and uh, they're trying to get her, or whatever. And she she slips she, and falls. She, she falls
1: to presumably to her yeah, death. To, presumably basically. to
0: her death. Then they roll the credits, and the credits show you know, oh look, the people made this technology. They made these floating things, and they floated. But then all they well, all crashed down, and the people came out, and then they're back to being farmers, right? So after that credit sequence, first of all, the shocking thing of, like, here's our princess girl, very important. She's falling to her death. That's how you open a kid's movie, yeah. right? And, and we haven't been introduced to any characters that are going to swoop in and save her, have we? There's no, like, Superman. It's not a Superman movie. There's no assumption that she's going to live. After the credit's over, what do they cut back to? The girl, she's still falling, just in case you were wondering. She's <laughs> unconscious. She's falling to her death. Let's follow her now with the camera as she falls to her death, which is unbelievably audacious, I think. to, I mean, Even in an action movie, you wouldn't uh, roll the credits, and then now, in progress, ju- we don't want her to die off camera. Like Even in, uh, what is that movie, The Good Shepherd, where they throw the woman out of the plane with her bride- bridal suit on. Sorry if I spoiled that for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't show her falling. To, like she- You see her from the plane, adios, you soon well, she's going to die now. They cut back to, and the girl is still falling to her death, and she's unconscious, and she's going headfirst, and here she is. And, of course, you know, she doesn't actually die, but how is, is how the rest of the movie pulls out. That's an amazing, uh, amazing sequence that I can never imagine a Western director doing. The rest of the movie, much more conventional, except for perhaps if you watch the uh, original, you know, if you watch the Japanese version of how the the, the pirate mother is and everything, that all sorts of inappropriate, strange Maybe it was also because it was the 80s Non-PC interactions of that group that, of pirates
1: That's what I, I read on on Wikipedia Although what I wanted to say is There's actually something else very funny That happens in the opening of, of Castle in the Sky Which is that you've got the pirate It's a pirate attack on the airship And yeah. you think the pirates are bad Except she's actually being held captive It turns out by the people who are on the airship she doesn't like them either, but you're you're set up to feel like the, this pirate attack, and they're trying to grab her her um, her jewel, and then she falls to her death, and you're thinking, oh, those pirates are bad. Those are bad. Those are bad pirates. They're bad guys, which is totally not true. The well, pirates I mean, the thing,
0: they don't they never have the scene where it's like, oh, pirates were nice guys. Like the pirates still have their mercenary motivations sure. the whole way through. They are true to themselves. There's but they're you know, honorable what... pirates. Yeah, kind of honorable, (laughs) but also kind of shady and not really fuzzy and kind of like, oh, shucks, we all love you pirates. You know, it's clear who's on different teams and the government guy is is the most evil because, of course, he wants to take over the world with this super powerful weapon or whatever. Uh, But, you know, no one is – they're not bending over backwards to make anyone cuddly. Right. You know, the, the leader of the pirates is still gruff the whole way through and uh, uh an innocent little boy and he is the whole way through yeah this is this is very not a lot of character development in this movie much more of an action roller coaster i think Nausicaa is a stronger movie just because there are character arcs and people you know do uh it's the how they are at the start of the movie the things they thought they were capable of doing uh by the end of the movie they've they've grown whereas in this movie they kind of go on an adventure and discover interesting things and, and eventually try it right. through the help of others. But but It's a great uh,
1: adventure, though, but you're right. Yeah. There isn't much of a story or a character arc. I love the robot in, or robots, oh, I guess, yeah. in that, this, too. That's,
0: again, the character design and just the oh, way, man. you know, because that's, that, that is some amazing stuff there. It's just sort of this mournful, incredibly powerful, strange-looking thing. You My know?
1: kids were very affected by the fact when we meet the first robot, which is there to protect her, and it does protect her, and it dies. It's destroyed. Uh, yeah. Although it dies it, it several times because it keeps coming back to life and getting destroyed even more brutally until it's finally completely destroyed, and my um, my son was very sad that the robot died because he was like, "Oh no, I like that robot," yeah, and but... he was very he was very sad when the robot died. Fortunately, they made many more of that <laughs> so, same you know, robot.
0: That's the thing with the robots. You know, my my daughter <laughs> for the long, was very affected by that too. I probably showed this movie to her when she was too young, but she for the longest time called this the robot movie. That was the name of this movie as far uh... as she was concerned. I can see, see that. Ro- I want to see the robot movie. Well, we
1: we're talking about these movies when when my kids and, and I were watching um, Ponyo and uh and my son made reference to the one with the robot. So, yeah. it, it it is a it's not heavily robot. featured in this movie. Like it's not it's not in many
0: scenes, right? No,
1: but it, it's such a great looking character and of course it behaves um honorably and is is yeah. it's very heroic in trying to protect uh the other characters from they know, preserve the from monarchy. The, yeah. the class
0: the class system is accepted. In this yeah. movie, <laughs> they, yes. oh, they're, they're royalty. He's like a
1: yes. He's the he's the protector of the of the royalty of the of the floating city. Um, but I, I love the yeah. I love that robot. L- really great great looking robot. And um, I don't know. I assume that it was an at least partly an inspiration for the Iron Giant. It, they oh, they yeah, seem but, to have something in common. I know that there was yeah. the the book about the the book that the Iron Giant is based on was done in the sixties, and I don't know if there is any relationship there. But but when I see the the robot in Castle in the Sky, I, that's immediately the vibe I got is that yeah. it was very Iron Giant. It's got to be. I mean, it, even if yeah. it's not
0: intentional, it's just it's in it's in the water for the the animators of this generation.
1: Yeah, it just it just felt like a very similar kind of really cool. Apparently, on the um the roof of the uh, studio Ghibli um. Uh, museum or whatever it is in japan there's a uh, there's one of these guys there's a robot yeah he's got to protect it yeah that's good they put him on the roof uh but yeah but i like this I, I thought I thought it was a lot of fun it's just a really fun adventure and um and uh i thought pretty well paced i didn't feel like uh, it, it that it dragged at the end or anything i mean they've got this crazy adventure inside the floating city which just at one point is like falling apart and uh you know there's all this high-flying action because they've got uh, you know, it's all happening in the air, and they're the various airships. And uh, and although you're right, I mean, we have high flying action in uh, Nausicaa,
0: too. So. Yeah, I, I think this movie, could, if a, if a Western director or studio did this, they would have tightened it up. There's a lot of like, it's just gloriously flabby. Just everything is everywhere. We're gonna have a train scene. We're gonna have a fist fight. We're gonna have people, you know, chasing each other through a castle oh, yeah. that a robot is destroying. We're gonna, you know, yeah. It's so much thought to like, all right, can we, can we tighten this up? Maybe have an arc, a story here. Because really, it's the story of, like, discovery of this, the castle in the sky and her fame right. and the people going after that jewel. But there's just so much, like, we can do everything. Let's, and do, it, yeah, let's a, do the it's,
1: chase scene with the train, which is a great – the train stuff is great. But you're yeah. right. It's
0: like, okay. It's, uh, it's fun. Not? It's you an know, action yeah, the whole, scene. Yeah. The, 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 this movie uh, – I don't know if it should have been tightened up, but it would have been tightened up, I think, if sure. it came out of a Western studio. But here, you know, they just said, "This is what he wants. We're going to go with it," and it's just kind of a a a giant fun ride.
1: Well, let's let's move on to 1988 and I, the movie that I assume is has got to be the most famous and most loved of his movies, which is My Neighbor Totoro. Um, among among Westerners, maybe. Yeah, wasn't this? I thought this was like one of the biggest grossing movies in Japan. Well, well all of his were like too, when Mononoke yeah.
0: came out, it was the biggest grossing movie, When Spirited Away came out, it was the, it was big, the biggest in Japan. Movie. Right. So I, I think he right. was generally beloved in Japan. But yeah, because it has something that you can make into a stuffed animal. I think yes, right. it is. Know about it. There
1: there are many Totoro stuffed animals. So my neighbor Totoro um, is one of those two movies that I that I, I mentioned earlier that I that I just love of his and. Um, one of the things I love about this movie and Kiki's Delivery Service, which we can talk about in, in, a, in a little bit, because that's the next one up, um, one of the things I love about these movies is that you've talked about ways that you wouldn't structure something if you were making a Western movie, if you were making a Hollywood movie. Who is the antagonist
0: in yeah, I, I, I would go for Totara. What is the plot of this movie? <laughs>
1: What is the plot? Well the the plot of this movie is that girls have moved into a house because and their mother is sick and, and at a hospital and their and? dad has to commute <laughs> and they feel lonely
0: and they want their mother to come home. Which is yeah, really like, not a plot. Like imagine if you had to write like <laughs> the two sentence thing that used to fit in like in the TV listings the back in the day, yeah. The TV, the like you'd line. have to put the three sentences. What's the three sentences or two sentences for Totoro? You can't do it. You're like a, a giant creature befriends some. Like that's not what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't. There's nothing you can write for this. And that that's what what's so wonderful about this movie. It's, yeah, uh, it, Totoro is probably. It's it's close between Kiki and Toto, which is my favorite Miyazaki movie, which is probably surprising to someone who looks at the canon. Like surely you like the big action movies or Princess Mononoke, or which is like the fifth attempt to redo Nausicaa. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> to, it, to, it's not these movies yeah. have something those other ones don't because they, they. I mean, maybe it's common in Japanese stuff. So I don't know enough about culture that this is common, but. What, what this movie is about, when kids watch it, what it's about is a big fuzzy magic creature. Yes. That does hilarious things. That's crazy. Cat buses, even kids recognize this. This is nuts, right? And it's just, it's wacky. Every scene has some wacky thing. It's like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like, they're in the house. You're looking around. There's weird things in the house. There's something in the forest. They have a bath. It's windy outside. You know, what? But the kids are like, boop-a-doop-a-doop. <laughs> you know? If you show this to most adults or teens, they're like, what the hell is this? Some stu- stupid kids movie or whatever? But if you watch it and it like it connects with you, which it definitely connected with me, and you think about what the movie is actually about, you I think it obviously connected with you because you were getting closer to it. Like, this movie is about kids who have a sick mother.
1: Yes. Right? No, the, the, the antagonist in this movie
0: is their mother's illness. That's right. really and, it. But they do not, like, at no point do they say, like, it's not. If you made a movie about kids who have a sick mother, first of all, you'd never make that movie out of like a Disney type studio. You'd never make a kids movie, or that would like the whole point of the movie is like live action. Is my mother is sick and I am sad, and it would just be talking about how your mother is sick and you're sad. But that's not how children work. They don't relate to their feelings or things that are, especially kids this age in this movie. You know, they don't relate to their situation in life in the way that you like now. A very special movie where Timmy's mother is sick, <laughs> and let's talk to Timmy about. It. They relate to it in a very, very different way. And this is something I get into with adults who watch this movie. They say, so what is, like, what is going on here? Is this the real world, or is Totoro, like, magic? Why doesn't Totoro help make their their mother better? Is Totoro really there, or is he just in the kid's imagination? And, like, how do I, like... If, the, if they're just in the kids' imagination, how does Totoro help them find the kit? Like, they they it blows their mind. But this is a perfect representation of the world that kids inhabit because the stress of having a sick mother, and like it manifests in children in very strange ways, and it's not talked about and it's not intellectualized and sort of discussed as a thing. They go through their life, uh, hopefully with a loving parent, which they have in this movie, and this stuff just finds its way out into different places. Toadro is sometimes scary, but also sometimes comforting and sometimes helps them, you know, get over things. And in and, and the end, with May running off to try to go to her mother and getting lost, that is a real thing that's happening in the real world. Which, by the way, that's one of my favorite scenes from the end of the movie. That They're looking for Mei. What is she, like three in the movie or something? She's yeah. lost. And there are people in the rice paddy things with sticks, waving the sticks around. You don't find live children with sticks in no. water, you know? That's...
1: no and they and they find that they find a shoe and they think it might be hers and they think that she's drowned
0: yeah and, and they say like, is that the plot of the movie a girl gets sick and they find her no this is just these children's life during a period of uncertainty about something that that should be certain and everything that you see that happens to them, whether you decide that it's real or it's not real it's it's you know this is this is what it's like to be a kid with a sick mother and it's really strange to say that a movie about what it's like to be a kid with a sick mother has to involve giant magical fuzzy creatures and floating things and cat buses. And, but it really it really should. It really does.
1: Well, it's that mixture of the you know, it's the it's the, it's a fairy tale on one level. And kids are the ones who we tell fairy tales to. And on, on another level, it's I mean, really, um, the plot of this movie is that these girls lives change that because their mother is sick, they have to move out to the country. And their dad has to be away because he has to take the bus uh, to the university, and it's a long way off. And so they have they have a new house, and they have a new school, and they have this big tree outside their window. The, and, scary things out
0: there. You yeah, know, it, it, it's kind of scary, but kind of fun at the same time. Like yeah. if, you, and they're if you can exploring. connect. If you can connect to your own childhood memories or feelings you have from back then, this is kind of what it's like. Though everything is kind of scary and kind of fun and kind of uncertainty, and and, And nothing makes sense to you, and you don't know why things are happening. And there's a possibility of magic, right? And And your your imagination blends with reality in a seamless like this. It's a continuum. It's not like well, here's the real world and here's imagination. It's all it's all one thing. Well, Uh, it's
1: it's such a charming movie. I mean, it is, and, and it's not just the cute, fuzzy creatures although they are incredibly cute and incredibly fuzzy Um, but but you know the dad is a great character and he's being you can see in his scenes that he's being he's obviously troubled about his his wife's sickness but he's being as good a father as he can be and and but he's struggling because he's also got a got a commute and when the, the opening scenes when they're opening up the house for the first time and the girls are exploring and he's encouraging of them and and yet it's also it's also all very funny because you can see that he's got a dry sense of humor and they don't necessarily get <laughs> that he's being funny, but he's actually being really funny. And then there's the little boy who is seems oh, standoffish, yeah, yeah. but is actually, uh, is actually adorable. And, and he, the scenes with the little boy in the umbrella,
0: I yeah, mean, for, for people who oh. don't have kids too, I, I guess they might think that, uh, the good little boy is a good example that, uh, he doesn't act like little boys act in typical movies. If you had a neighbor boy who's like spunky, but really was, you know, like the girl or whatever, like they, people write dialogue for kids as if they're, if not adults, then at least like preteens or something. This boy uh, sees the girl who's just caught in a rainstorm, wants to offer his umbrella, has a scowl on his face, jams the umbrella in her face and goes, hm! Hm! and just make grunting noises. You're like, oh, come on. What kind of kid may, if you have a boy, of oh, yeah. that age this is the epitome of communication for them because they don't know how to they don't they don't they're not going to chat up the, they don't have a way to express this at all and so you see this grumpy boy jamming this thing at her and then he runs off with a smile on his face that's what kids that age do they're not adults and and also like so that happens but that's not the point of the movie it's not a love story it's between these two little kids they're just little kids leading their lives in the way that little kids do the one precocious kid in the movie satsuki who's kind of our you know here or whatever sure even even she has the moment of like you know that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she's looking for her little sister and the sun is setting which they indicate just with a little bit of you know changing in the lighting of everything no big exposition about we must find her before dark because if the darkness comes and bump no she's she's running her feet are dirty she takes off her shoes and she's panicked to find her sister and they don't know where she was anywhere and at that point you're panicked too right yeah if you're if you're invested in the movie uh I, I, every every part of this movie, I just it connects with me. If it doesn't connect with you, it might seem like we're talking nonsense. You're going to watch this movie and say, "This is this movie they love." Yep. But if, it, if it connects with you, well, we it, did say really up front does. that
1: that nothing happens, or at least it has no plot to speak of, and there's not really any conflict, and it's just sort of a story about uh, some girls whose mom is yeah. sick, and they're learning about where they live, and also there are some magical creatures who are adorable and. Um, they give an umbrella to one of them.
0: So, so what do you choose to? Oh, actually, two things. In this. before I get to what you choose on this is one of the things where the dub I think makes some jokes that I'm glad they they changed from the original or whatever. Or like the, the voice acting with this and everything, like the little, uh-huh. a little little picture of like uh, uh, May is doing whatever and it's making her crabby. Here's a picture of May as a crab. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like lines like that, they crack me up. Or or the one where she yells "Creepy!" That's kind of you know. Those are jokes made in in the dub that either are written differently or land differently in, in the subtitle version of those. And since I've seen the dub a bazillion times because my kids can't read subtitles or couldn't right. when they were watching this, uh, uh, I like most aspects of this dub, even though some of the voices are grating and some of the things they do are a little bit you know uh, weird. And, and the other thing I wanted to ask is, what is your take on the on the movie? Is wh- what happens in the movie is Totoro real? Does Totoro take them to see their mother? Oh, or is he entirely a figment of their imagination?
1: Well, I think, I think it's in, this. This is intentionally left. It is. It is. I'm just asking how, how you. Well, no. Think. I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, I, I guess I would argue that that um, in the end, when they when the the message is left for um, on the windowsill for their mom, that they couldn't have gotten there by any other means, and so therefore Sodero really took them there. If you really are looking for any evidence, but in the end, it doesn't really matter, right? It's just like the where the, the scene where they have the giant tree grows out in their backyard, and it, it's, it's just enormous yeah. in the yeah. backyard, and and they wake up the next day, and their dad is sitting there the whole time, and he doesn't notice anything, and they wake up the next day, and it's gone, and you think, aha, see, nothing really happened, but the things but, they planted did sprout overnight. That's right. So you know, was it something? Maybe did happen. It just wasn't the big thing that they that that we saw. You know, or that that was all that in the end was left after after this kind of uh, dream that they that they all had or or this illusion or whatever it was or magic with with Totoro, but, you know, in the end, does it doesn't it matter. But the fact that they, you know, that they left a little a little message for their mom on the windowsill, how how else would it have gotten
0: there? Yeah, the so Western audience always want, I always wanted to have a um, conclusion but it to it. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter.
1: I, I also want to say how beautiful this movie is. The 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 just the pictures of the Japanese countryside. It it is. I love I love it just for that. It yeah. looks so good.
0: And, and like the house, like it's exotic to us because we don't know what Japanese right. bathtubs look like from whatever year this was supposed to look like, and just uh, the, right, and the he, paper screens yeah, I mean, and yeah. yeah. He obviously loves nature, and he loves putting lots of forest stuff into the people who do the animation with him. And weather. He's a big weather guy. Yeah. Miyazaki is.
1: Yeah. Uh, as we're going to get to... Anything more about Totoro before we move to Kiki?
0: Uh, the, the only thing, I, a reason I asked you about whether you thought he was real or not is because that's the type of thing that Western audiences demand out of their movies. Yeah. Well, so is he real or not? We have to know. Uh, and the little... The corn you know, thing at the end seems like it's leaning in that direction, uh, but it's not a conclusive... No. type of thing and the whole point of the movie is that to children's lives this is all of a piece there's oh. no separation because they have no they haven't settled things down like that imagination but, is reality is imagination right emotion is manifestation in other sorts of ways that's totally seemingly unrelated to an outside observer to the thing they're actually upset about uh, and it's clear from the movie this is the thing i like about the parent the parent you know the the two parents uh except for the little thing did you see a gigantic cat with a humongous claws and teeth in that tree a second ago no huh? did you wait no you know that's the little nod at the end there but in general for the whole rest of the movie they pay no attention to what these crazy kids are doing
1: yeah um yeah it's great it's it's great i i i it doesn't matter my my son my son is seven and is reading calvin and hobbes he discovered calvin and hobbes and um this this um I think it's very comparable to what you just said, which is um, he thinks Calvin and Hobbes is a story about a boy (laughs) with a magic tiger who only turns real when nobody's (laughs) looking. Yeah. When of course the rest of us would view it as a boy who has an imagination and he makes his stuffed tiger. He believes his stuffed tiger is real and has conversations with him. But to my seven year old son, no, it's a magic tiger who you can only see, like Snuffleupagus, right? He's only right. he can only move when nobody else is looking, except Calvin. Well, he's like the Weeping Angels, yes. <laughs> <laughs> slightly less. Yeah. Hobbes is
0: slightly less <laughs> threatening but, and murderous than the Weeping Angels, but and, yes. And to Calvin, he's a boy with a real tiger. Like Calvin yes. has no Calvin doesn't think he's just stuffed animal. No, Cal- as far as Calvin's concerned, Hobbes is as real as his parents. As yes. real as his parents.
1: Yes, uh, and more agreeable sometimes. Yeah. So let's move on to, um, uh, I believe, the next year in 1989, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, um, which I actually – I I would say this is my favorite of his movies. And this has more of a plot
0: yeah, than – it's more sophisticated than Totoro for than sure. Totoro That's why – it-
1: it still doesn't really have an antagonist. Somebody asked me, "Okay, who's the bad guy in Kiki's Delivery Service?" And I have two answers. There's a mean girl at one point who says something mean, but she has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs>
0: she's definitely not the antagonist. There and, are many. There are many people who are gruff and mean.
1: Right, and, and but now, now, bear with me for a second. I think the antagonist in Kiki's Delivery Service is the wind. <laughs> There's a strong wind that causes trouble late in the movie. That's it, folks. Seriously. We always get these winds during <laughs> the summer. It's the wind. The wind is the worst. The wind is the enemy in this movie, and it's not that strong in well, it.
0: Uh, but it's, it's not it's strong not just wind, the, though. There, there are scenes with wind in it, but like, I think I've said this on past podcasts that the, the antagonist in Kiki's delivery service is life. Just yeah. like in life but uh, I mean, that's not what the movie is well, about. Wind, what,
1: the wind can be a problem in life too. It, yeah. it, pl- and, it blows things off course. And the rain,
0: the rain does things that weather, sure. you know, uh, people who are who are not interested in the same things you're interested in, uh, disinterested strangers, uh, situations beyond your control, it's just it's everything right. that happens right. in life. And what's uh, fascinating
1: and, too about Kiki is that this is a movie where uh Miyazaki's interest in um European yeah, uh, yeah. uh fairy tales and and uh there's a lot of stuff in here that uh, is modeled on um a couple like on stockholm where i've been and actually seen stuff and been like oh my god that's just like in kiki's delivery service yeah like and where is this movie set it's like in scandinavia and northern europe for the most part it, it, it's i mean it's not it's sort of not set anywhere but it's very clearly in set in europe and it's about a girl who's a witch and has a black cat and rides a broom but so the writing is
0: all in japanese <laughs> right, right. The I'm writing's the all windows. in
1: Japanese, but it's he's definitely trying to to tell this, yeah. use this this you know story and and uh, the Western kind of view of a witch on a broom with a black cat and sets it in a European town, um, which is fascinating too. Just in that it's like a different, a little bit different palette that he's painting with.
0: Yeah, and so when I'm comparing this to Totoro, the reason I keep flop back and forth is I'm like, well, Totoro is the pure essence of of his work. Like, if you just keep tearing everything away until all that's left is nonsense and emotion, you get Todoro.
1: Yeah. Kiki has
0: more of a structure and is more sophisticated, and I yeah. find connects more with me uh, as an adult, which is strange because if you describe this movie to someone you can probably actually write a little capsule for this because you've got a clear main character she's a witch westerners know what witches are she's a young witch in training and it's going to be a kid's movie so what kind of wacky adventures could she get into right but beyond that premise it's not structured at all like you know she's a kid who acts her age the adults are not buffoons uh she doesn't sing uh there's there's no evil wizard trying to uh, harm her right she goes she out doesn't... on her
1: own and leaves her family behind and you're expecting it to be that she ends up in this town and she's taken advantage of and made to do terrible things she's not she's given a place yeah. to live and she's given a job and she starts to deliver you know baked goods yeah, on her a, a, broom. all the things
0: you could have a witch do it's like is she going to have a battle with magic wands and fly her broom through firestorms with wizards now she's going to deliver things
1: right and the big the big tension is going to be like will she deliver the cake on time
0: Right and and or, or like where am I going to stay or how yeah. how do I navigate the adult world because she can't get into the hotel because she it's you know what you want to stay in the hotel by yourself but you're just a kid and she doesn't know what to do that one of the greatest scenes in this is there she's despondently eating her sandwich that she packed for herself after landing in the city full of hope and finding she was not even able to successfully, she almost got in trouble with the police, messed up traffic, was not even able to get into hotel. Like she's not able to function in the adult world, but she's just a kid. And she's like, they wouldn't let me in, but like, I don't. And she's just sitting there and you realize she's eating the lunch that she packed for herself. She has no other food. She doesn't know where she's going to stay. She doesn't know how to become the witch for this town or whatever. And just through serendipity or whatever, she happens to get a job uh, at a bakery and figures, well, what can I actually do? Uh, I guess I can fly. That's good. Uh, I guess I'll deliver things because if you can fly, you can de- like it's it's so, you know, a mix of of pragmatic reality and people acting their age and uh, oh by the way we have witches and they fly and everyone's cool with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And there and it's great. And then there's then there's wind. Yeah. And and uh, and uh her friend, I mean that's really the climax, right? Is her friend is accidentally lifted into the air by a runaway blimp.
0: Yeah, her her love interest to is interested Tom. in her, but oh, it is Tombo. not like oh we're going to be together. And she no. she spends zero time mooning over Tombo. She spends. No, like, he's the boy even... on the
1: bike who kind of likes her, and that I mean, right? And, and again, like with uh, some other movies that we've talked about, it's the it's it's a more realistic sort of like there's a boy and he's sort of interesting, and that's really kind of yeah. it.
0: <laughs> and this this is probably a good point to talk about why I uh, indoctrinated my children with Studio Ghibli movies from a very young age. Uh, and tried to keep them away from disney movies particularly my daughter because miyazaki goes in the other direction all mm. the characters in this movie are women and they're uh, you know the main characters the protagonists the important people and his women are in general with some exceptions treated very well so the ones i like her to see nausica is a woman she's strong she does everything a man would do but still with the sensibilities of a woman uh toad the two girls are the main characters uh and Kiki's delivery service. She's she's the the clearly the center of this movie. And the movies are not about getting married, finding love, or like any of these girl things. Like they're they're treated as normal people. Kiki, what she does in this movie is grows up a little bit in the way that people actually grow up by making friends, getting a job, not being confident in yourself. Not be, her her main challenge in life is that she's you know. Doesn't quite know how to relate to people and fit in. How do you become this person who is a working person but has friends and, and does all this stuff? She can't figure it out. And my favorite part in this movie is when she loses her witch's powers. Which you know, the whole thing with powers and witches is completely ridiculous. But they use that as a way to. I always took it as like this is probably going to sound crude, but when she loses her witch's powers, that's their way of telling you that she got her period. <laughs> Like, she is coming Alrighty. of age, and how do you become... That's why she's got the woman character that she relates to, the artist in the woods. That is a woman who is her role model. Of course, you have the pregnant woman. Oh, can you imagine, you know, three decades ago? Pregnant woman? We can't show that in an animated film. They don't even know where babies come from. The pregnant woman, Baker, and everything's Baker, taking care yeah. of her. She's from a child, wild child, to she's going to eventually become an adult and a woman. And when she can't fly anymore, it's because, like, you know, she's she's... Becoming a woman literally, and it's thrown her for a loop as it does to you know kids when they're at that age and it's like, who am I? why don't people like me? the rich girls uh tombo who's interested, but I'm not sure what's going on there, and just she's just not sure of herself the whole movie and that's the plot. the plot is coming of age, and like what and if you've we've all gone through it right, that is definitely worthy of a movie, and this is that movie, and it's not the cliche movie where in the end you go to the prom with the football hero and everybody loves you in the town toasts you kiki we love you you're our greatest witch or whatever you know yeah. uh and of course at the end of this movie she saves the boy you know that's the plot of this movie the girl saves the boy right from from death, death with by... her with her skill and determination and not you know with her princess fairy powers
1: saves saves him from death by blimp
0: yeah it's not a way not a good way to go
1: no definitely not
0: the dirigible. No. They like to call it that in the Yes, that's right.
1: That's right. The wind does pick up off the coast this time of year.
0: That, that's when they had the thing. That's another one of the lines they had. You know, they go around the corner. That's the dirigible. That line is there for the yeah, Western Noise. Sure, you don't say anything at that point. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right. Because you did not know
0: what a dirigible was, kids. But I don't blame you. Actually, I mean, not a
1: lot of... Apparently, this movie. Yeah, not only Stockholm, but also Visby on the on the, uh, which is an, on an island in the Baltic Sea. It's uh, part another town in, in sweden and i've been there too so
0: wouldn't you want to live in this town by the way this is well the town.
1: let me tell you visby is although not as big as this um is, is charming and stockholm is great too so i i watch these movies and I, I i remember my brief you know trips to sweden and uh it's it is it's a great sort of again beautiful just as i said about totoro um just beautiful looking and again you've got the the elements and he likes to show fields and trees and and clouds and all of these things and it's it's uh gentle and you know it's pastoral and beautiful he's he's good at that stuff mm-hmm. all right we we've uh you know we should probably blow through the rest of these movies here because we've been talking for a while now um i have not seen porco rosso which is about the uh, that's like about a flying pig right <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's an odd one too, but it's more of a boys' adventure movie.
1: All right, Flying Pig,
0: with with an emotional heart. He's a,
1: he's a pig who's a pilot. Is that right?
0: Don't question it, Jason. All
1: right, okay. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> it just, makes sense in
0: context. I swear. I, I got. I'll, I'll. I'll.
1: I got to watch that. Okay, and then there's Mononoke, which I haven't seen, which is yeah. which is a, a big one.
0: Yeah, that's him refining and refining and refining that that action movie formula, uh, and starting to go over, I think, into a little bit too much Well, i wouldn't say maybe not at that point i'm gonna say it like he has a preachy streak in him he has a message that he wants to tell you about not destroying the earth and not fighting with each other or whatever and that can be grading if when he leans on it too heavily but mononoke also i i highly encourage you to watch and it's another example of every character in that movie has has legitimate motivation no buffoons no cartoonishly evil things uh it's also ratcheting up all the things it's it's most like *Nausicaa*. I, I, I encourage you to watch it
1: all right i will i've got it rented it's right here i just didn't get to it in time there you go okay spirited away we touched on briefly um it i, I saw it and i liked it but i thought it was it was just really weird
0: yeah <laughs> similar to kiki in that you end up you, you start off with a girl it's a girl who's, right who's who's young and kind of petulant and like you are at that age. And she's put into a situation where she has to fend for herself because her parents are not there. Exactly. Like Kiki, Kiki goes off on her own. It's kind of wild eyed or whatever. This one has the parents taken away from her. And it's like, well, now you're on your own. No one's going to help you. What are you going to do? You're going to have to find your way. You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to work hard at that job. Uh, if there are friends or interesting things happening around here, you're just going to have to deal with them. And that's, this is why I think kids connect so much with these movies because, uh, Young adult literature does this so much. The, the protagonist in young adult literature always has to be someone the age of the person who's reading the book, a young adult, and we want to see how do they make their way in the world. And they, their parents usually aren't there. They're on, you know, Harry Potter goes off to wizard school by himself, and the, the people in The Hunger Games are you know they have to. You want to see someone who's a similar age to you and say, well, what happens if we take away the safety net? And that's what's fascinating to feel like. Oh, she's she's by herself, and look at all these crazy things, and there's a witch, and and there's this weird creature, and she has to get a job. And I think kids at that age where they're not sort of self-actualizing or whatever the, the psychological they're not, you know, they haven't be, sort of fully be taken ownership of their own selves and find their path in the world thrust into these situations. Now, granted the situations in these movies are ridiculous and crazy, but kids can connect to that. They're like, you know, the, the big tension is, is she going to talk to the big spider guy to ask him for a job? Cause I can never do that. Cause I'd be scared, you know? And so the plot, I, I think in this movie is also almost incidental, unless you're talking about the big message about not polluting and all that other stuff. It's about, here you go, kid. Uh, let's see how you do. And again, a female character, and again a character who, through determination and good good character and effort and force of will, triumphs not by marrying anybody. Yeah.
1: And then her, and gar- also, her parents are turned into pigs, but they don't fly.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite images in this movie and he does this lots of images is the train going across the water the tracks there's water but it's just just enough to just barely leave the tracks out and so the train is going across this giant expanse of water it's not floating on the water it's not a magic train it's just that the water happens to be exactly at the Mm. level of the tracks maybe it's high tide yeah i don't know
1: um hey how's moving castle
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah more European ish yes, things.
1: I watched this uh today. Um this one sa- this one's a little too long. <laughs> it kind of sags. Which part did you think sagged? Uh, toward the end it just it it just kept going. Toward the end where they have the there's like the 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 battle and yeah and they're they're and they started the enemy starts bombing the town and they have to move the move the castle and and it I just I couldn't I felt like it took a another plot turn when I expected it to be wrapping up and it says it's like no 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 we're gonna <laughs> yeah. keep on going and it's like no actually it's been two hours I yeah. really am okay with you being done now which isn't to say that there weren't a lot of things about it that I I actually liked uh, it, it is a it is a little bit odd um uh it's also got like like with phil hartman as Gigi the cat in kiki's delivery service it's got the uh it's got the uh fire demon calcifer in the in the english dub <sighs> yeah. is billy crystal yeah which although the way that that character is drawn you kind of want to have a wacky personality like that for the fire demon yes yeah, G- big felt- eyes and a big mouth and
0: Phil Hartman and Gigi is one of those things where that is not true to the original. But right, that's my but, Phil, but it's still, it, Phil Hartman is pretty good. So you're like, I take yeah, it as good. like, that's that's a separate character, separate movie. That's one interpretation you can do right. with that. Same thing with Castle. Uh, the, I think the problem with, with uh, Howl's Moving Castle is that it didn't know whether it wanted to be the action-adventure movie where we're interested in the resolution of the plot, like uh, uh, Castle in the Sky or Nausicaa, or if it wanted to be a uh, this is what it's like to have to go through some thing in your life, like uh, Kiki or spirited away, because you do have the character who is a, a young adult and she suddenly gets old and there's magic. But you also have this plot business with Howl and his curse. And it's you're like, what am I interested in here? Am I interested in the, in the main characters, uh, overcoming our struggles in this strange situation? Or do I care about Howl and this bombing and the battles? And it's kind of all like, you don't know which way to go. And then I think they just tried to fit it all into to the same movie. And, uh, this has a lot of interesting bits and charm, but I never get invested in the story like I am in, in the more story-driven movies, and I never right. connect with the emotion of the character like I do in those in, uh, the more character-driven movies.
1: Yeah. Hal how, is a little odd himself because Howl, Howl is uh, – um, <laughs> how, he, he's – He's like the he, doctor. He starts well, yeah, but he's he's like blonde and has his hair is kind of long and he wears earrings and he complains about not being beautiful yeah. and then his We're, then hair is his darker. He's this he's like a he's like a um, a uh, uh, it's like David Bowie, <laughs> right? It's like yes, yes. he's not quite uh, he's not quite male, he's not quite female, um, and then the, and then the, your protagonist is turned into an old lady. Although yeah. that's fascinating because at various points. She's not an old lady, right? Right. And if at, you watch at, closely. When she's she... sleeping, she's not. And sometimes when she professes her emotions, she's not. Yep. And sometimes she's got the gray hair, but yep. it, but the young face and has the young voice. It's, and it, that goes back and forth, which is crazy. So you're like, which Sophie is it? Yeah, that, that's time? a little bit on
0: the on the nose. But it, like the interesting thing about this that would never happen in a Western studio is that you don't have a senior citizen as your main character. If you have a beautiful young girl, she has to say a beautiful young girl for the movie. You don't have half the movie running around as an old person. <laughs> well, she's a crone. Who's drone time, as being ugly.
1: Yeah, big nose and all hunched over and yeah, although but, although it, it is there's some great scenes in this right that are the when she cleans up the castle because the castle's yeah. a mess and the <laughs> and there's a li- and there's the little boy who is aghast that he, she's cleaning up the castle and of course the fire demon is also aghast because he, he's afraid he's going to go out but she's sort of like cleaning up all the ash that's around and then uh the little boy uh has got his hood that he puts on that makes him look like kind of a yep strange kind of bearded little tiny still a little guy but now he looks like a a bearded older little guy um that's cool i love the door that's got the little thing you turn and it opens in four different places Mm. um because this this castle is is walking around on legs <laughs> Which is also really interesting, and it's an agglomeration. it's got like bits of house inside it, but then you flip the switch and now you're in a in a small town and you flip yeah. the switch again and you're in the capital city. I mean there's a lot of stuff in here that's really really interesting, um but it does seem like it's lots putting of a, stuff packed together. a blender, yeah yeah, yeah,
0: and, and so and this movie, like all, all these other movies and most Japanese animation movies, they just want you to take it at face value. they don't wanna to explain to you like oh, yeah they're gonna you know. She's old, there's magic, there's that castle it walks, there's dark... Like, so the scene at the end you know, th-
1: that is almost quintessential in this, where where I have one of those moments where I just kind of like drop my hands and I'm like, well, of course, okay, whatever, is all of a sudden in rapid succession, there's, oh, that's his heart. The heart was in the... With, with Calcifer all along, and, yeah, and that's yeah. his curse, and and look turnip head is a prince from the foreign country that was yeah, the reason the I war know. was starting oh of course sure well, that that all happened rather quickly yeah, and i'm not quite sure why Stuff
0: that connects with the plot you're like oh well then then you don't even have a plot you just have a mess here but i'm talking about things yeah. that aren't even connected to the plot like <laughs> the fact that there's fire or little boys can disguise themselves or there's magic in this world or there's a castle that walks or just like all that stuff is like just just go with it because it's not it's not important to the plot it's just like they're just a side character sure. you get hung up by like the mechanics of the fire demon or uh what you know why does that dog look weird or the fat the big fat <laughs> the witch dog, woman yeah. the, the big fat witch woman like oh, yeah. why is she who is is she oh she our friend is she like you just you just said just go with it just but this but you really need a, a solid plot to hang that on and i think this one they just didn't know where to go with
1: and, and toward the end of the movie um uh, some of the final lines that howl speaks he's kind of grunting and it is literally christian bale in the in the dub, <laughs> it is literally Christian Bale doing his Batman voice before he was Batman. Yeah. It's it, it, and I turned to my wife and I said, "It's Batman, howl is Batman?" Because it is. It's Christian Bale. Most of the movie, you don't really you don't really think it's Christian Bale, but then then yeah. he does this little. I'm talking <laughs> like this now. I'm howl and I'm going off again. Yeah. and I, it's Batman.
0: I don't want to tell you. You should not look at the IMDb page for Princess Mononoke if you got it open. Close it. All right. Because I don't want to distract you with who's voicing stuff in that movie. Because for the most <laughs> part, it does not sound like them. And right. it, when it's done, I'll, you know, just look up who who everyone was. And you're like, it's there's some stuff in there, weird stuff,
1: wacky stuff. Lauren McCall in in the English dub track for house Moving Castle. Yeah, she oh, was very good. good as yeah. I
0: really liked her as the you know, the, the old woman. She was did a great job on that. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, they get good people. Well, John Lasseter now um, now that uh Pixar was bought by Disney. John Lasseter is basically in charge of doing faithful uh, English releases of all of Miyazaki's movies. Yeah. And they and they do a good job. They I mean, you can argue about whether the you know, you prefer the the original with subtitles, but the dubs are good. They they're generally very good with famous people um who are good, you know, not just like Brad Pitt will be in it. Woo! But yeah. actually good work. All right, we should talk about Ponyo. Which is his most recent movie from two thousand eight, which is like his take on the Little Mermaid.
0: Well, it's something, all right. (laughs) I mean, this is a similar one where, where you're like, is you know, very, very rarely does he spend any time establishing whether this is reality or magic is real. Everyone in all of his movies accepts anything that's in them as like, yeah, you know fish with hair and human eyes, you know, whatever giant sea. Like no one is, no one is like, Oh my God, there's a giant woman underneath us in the ocean. I thought it, I, you know, if a giant woman appeared underneath you in the ocean, no time is spent on that. It's just like, it's all of a piece almost as if everyone in all of his movies is a child because you know, that childlike wonder that he has, he likes to imagine a world in which anything is possible and people aren't phased by it. So if you could just let that get out of the way, this is, this is a movie about uh, a little, I don't mean, she's not even a mermaid. A little fish girl. Yep. It's not like she sings a song about wanting to go on land. She just is curious well, and independent and squirms away. She's the she's the daughter of the queen of the sea
1: and a human who is a what? <laughs>
0: A he's a human who got fed up with humans. I, and yes. I don't particularly like the actor that you know Liam Neeson in this. Uh, he doesn't do a bad job, but he just sounds like Liam Neeson to me, and I think he's wrong for that yeah, character. Very, I, very wrong. So she, so she, yeah, she takes off and is
1: ca- put captured by a kid in a in a green plastic bucket, and they bond um, strangely and rapidly <laughs> to the point where she decides she loves um, loves the boy. And doesn't want to leave him, and so she basically, when she's returned to the sea, against her will, she uh, uh, goes into the room that's got all the magic stuff in it and turns
0: herself into uh, a human. And and again, if you hear the plot of this movie described is this movie does have a plot like as, you know, a character, they're separated, there's it's a there's flood an a- adversary you know The old people like, are in jeopardy yeah.
1: of it's like Cocoon at one point,
0: actually. Yeah. Where and, the and, old people
1: are walking again and they're under the sea and it really is like, wait a second, where's you know, the cast of Cocoon?
0: Yeah. So so the, when everything floods and there's these pre Cambrian Prehistoric fish, dino yeah. fish, going around under the sea because that's what he let out was this thing is going to restore the Earth to its previous state. And people are like, "Oh, you know, let's evacuate the old people from the home and get the black like, No one's like, "The Earth is flooded. It is Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna die." Giant sea. Nope. Nope. Everyone's calm as can be. Well,
1: t- so so the Tina, the mom, who's voiced by Tina Fey in the yeah. in the English dub, is uh, they they like she first off. She's like, you know, I could stay here with the old people, but instead I'm going to try to get to my house and it's like t- this terrible parenting <laughs> like I'm going to I'm going to don't don't go in the rushing water with your little tiny car. And she's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to time it just right and I'm going to jump over with yeah. me and my kid in the car, which she does. And she drives really fast and the water is about to get them and they get to the high point. Their house is like on a high point and they're completely surrounded by water. And and she says, I'm going to go back out. Wait, wait, What? How? How could you even go back out? You're completely surrounded, and yet somehow she goes back out.
0: This is this is another thing I think is gripping for children in Miyazaki's movies that involve children. Is that all in all of them, it's the opposite of helicopter parenting. If you think of the situations that young children, two, three, four, five year old children are put in by parents in these movies, they're like, oh, the kids will be okay, you know. Oh, like Uh, here, you just, I'll, I'll, I'll be in my in Totoro, I'll be in my. Thing, doing my work for whatever you guys just go run out in the woods and have fun uh and this one it's like you know the kid just goes to school comes back on his own she just lets him play he at one point she finds him in the ocean drowning practically you yeah. think she would say well from this point on i'm not letting much i'm making sure there's an adult supervising my child since i live someplace surrounded by ocean water and i almost he almost drowned you know no it's all just like laid back and the kid, and the and you know so kids who are brought up in the current helicopter parenting lifestyle and you know of always trying to keep our children safe watch these movies and they and they see these kids in situations (laughs) that they've never been allowed to get into and it's gripping because they're like you know there's nobody there to save him he's by himself there's no adult taking care of him or telling him don't go there or don't do that all these kids are on their own and they they do things he you know she makes the boat get bigger he's tooling around on the boat looking for things like they're off on their own doing their thing you know and when they get back the parents don't really yell at them
1: I really like that, the that she makes the little boat that's driven by a candle. She makes the boat and the candle big, and they light the candle, and then they just go hanging out, and people are like, Hey, how you doing?
0: Yeah. We're just it, looking for my mom. You, have you seen her? And the baby is, is scowling at her. Yeah. It's weird <laughs> stuff going on. So and, a, and their relationship starts off as boy and pet. Yes. And, ev- and evolves into what exactly? Like, you don't make this movie for Westerners, you'd be like, wait, am I supposed to believe these kids are in love? Is this, this is uncomfortable for me because there shouldn't be romantic love between children who are five. And there isn't, but it's like, but then what's the point of this movie? If there's a male and a female and their leads, they have to get married at the end because I don't understand the purpose of life if it's not for these people to get married and live happily ever after. And it seems like they do, but really it's not, it's not romantic love between these people. It's just they've, I, it's,
1: you know, it's if strange. You,
0: if you get hung up on these things, you think are are the Japanese all weird and perverted and whatever. It's like you can you can't just you can't just accept it at face value because what happened they're not kissing each other in this movie, you know, they're just well they have the little smooch there, but it's like it's it's the love that a little boy would feel for a little girl. Right.
1: Yeah. And and making her human because he, she's his best friend and he wants to keep her around. And she's cool. Although this movie this movie ends strangely because they 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 like wander through the tunnel and she just turns into a fish like and that's one of those moments again of like oh i guess now she turns into a fish again
0: yeah well yeah that's okay. lots, lots of stuff there like but wait she and she's strange looking when she's a fish and ugly and weird and yeah, yeah. this this movie is is more absurdist without and the, the old people start to walk and
1: uh... Yeah. It's fair. It's yeah. Wow. But
0: this, this gets caught up in its plot a little bit too much too, because it, the <laughs> whole message is like, Oh, that's not pollute the See the sea is wonderful. Nature is good. And all that business, but there's still... these very interesting imagery and lots yeah. of good scenes, but overall it's kind of, kind of a mess. It doesn't have the heart of, of Totoro. It doesn't have the sophistication of Kiki. It has a lot of the absurdity of spirited away, but without the same relatable arc for the protagonist. So it's mostly just kind of like a visual delight combined with a plot that will be off-putting to a lot of people. But if it doesn't bother you, you're just like, "Eh,
1: there it is. You know, one of my favorite things in this movie is uh, when uh, the the father uh, calls to say that he's got another uh, trip on his ship and he's not going to be coming home for his shore leave and – and the mother is furious. Yeah. And then the father is going past, and they're they're signaling via a flashing light, via like yeah. Morse code, and um, <laughs> and the the son is very you know he's very enthusiastic and is relaying messages back and forth, and and uh, the mom is just saying basically tell him to tell him to beat it, tell him he's a jerk. She <laughs> just doesn't wanna... and, and the boy's like, no, no, I'm gonna. <laughs> Mom is kind of mad at you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something it's else you really usually sweet.
0: don't see in kids' movies. Because say, say you had a kids' movie where there was a mother taking care of a son and the father was away and he couldn't come back. The mother would be like... Oh dear! I wish you would come back. But adults are actual people too, and in a kids movie, in a kids movie, usually don't show the adults have you know you don't show the parents fighting unless they're bad parents. So you don't show the the, you know like she gets upset like because her husband she gets mad at him because like oh you're supposed to be and it's mad because she loves him and wants him back, but also mad because like why are you at work? And in kids movies, you almost never show that. Everyone in Miyazaki's movies gets to be who they are yeah. no one has to be like oh this is x type of movie therefore adults can't have that kind of reaction because real adults do have that reaction in real relationships and they have them in front of children and it doesn't make them bad people you know and he, yeah. he shows that in his movies everyone gets to be uh, a, a character
1: yeah and the and the son plays you get the sense what he what he's done before which is um a play maybe not necessarily even peacemaker but he's aware of that and he's not going to let his mom being angry get in the way of him talking to his dad so and his dad knows that he can use his son a little bit as a as a bridge there to yeah. try and you know put in a good word for me i know she's mad at me and it's it's sweet it's it's nice and then you know they're giant waves and the moon comes down and <laughs> pulls a giant wall of water with all the boats in it, and it's and the moon is the, coming yeah. that, that that part i never really understood either it's like the moon is getting closer
0: yeah that's, it, that's things are out of balance yeah well uh, uh, the giant tidal wave sweeps up all of the cargo ships into a huge yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in this movie. it's moment. like the
1: ship parking lot of i don't know well that's that's uh that's our our chronological walk through uh the canon of of uh, miyazaki
0: or the ones that you've seen anyway mostly
1: and well, and we covered the ones that that I haven't seen by by mentioning them
0: <laughs> yeah i i i almost wish we could have done. Not uh, had this not be a Miyazaki show, but a Studio Ghibli show, because there are other movies. Like for example, the most recent one. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Arietti. Arietti, I have the which is the Borrowers. I have not. Uh, I want to see it,
1: but I haven't seen it. Yeah, we that, tried that to would, see it. And that would fit right on. in with
0: this discussion, even though it's not uh, Miyazaki did not direct this, uh, and a couple of other minor things like Whisper of the Heart and uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, other works that are involved in the studio, but not necessarily involving him, uh, that are it fit right into this genre and and give a slightly different flavor but that will have to save that for another show and i still actually really want to do an anime show but considering how far it was to get a show together for like the godfather of great japanese animation i really doubt we're going to be able to get a show together for people who have seen anime in general well kind of
1: anime you know i think we're gonna have to treat that like we did um like we did games or or uh or text adventures or things like that where where uh uh, we might have to go outside the usual panelists in order to get a good uh, collection of people
0: for that. I'd be up there. Is there, for that. I mean, is or there at a sports th- term for that? Uh,
1: I don't know. Free free agents, or <laughs> I don't know what the sports term would be. I was thinking like guests. P- guests. Pinch, pinch hitters. Pinch hitters, yeah. Something like that. Temporary injury relief. <laughs> something like that. Um, but because uh, I really, beyond Miyazaki, all I could talk about is Star Blazers. <laughs> i i could sing the star blazers theme song even but i'm sure the star blazers is also a
0: butchered version of yes yes I, yeah well, the, the thing with anime is i can't give you homework and say okay we'll just watch the, these last decade worth yeah, of anime well, right. you know at least there's this, like one director or a series of movies you can watch a few of them and get a, a, a take on it but if you haven't been spending your life it's like if i wanted to be in a no. comic book thing you're like okay start reading comic books and get back to uh, us in 20 years yeah exactly it's it's tough to catch up
1: yeah It was hard enough for me to catch up on Miyazaki. and Miyazaki's really great. Kiki. Kiki is my favorite with Totoro close behind, but Kiki, something about it. Maybe it's all the airships.
0: Yeah, and for adults listening to the show, even though it sounds like everything we just described are kids' movies and stuff, one day, without your children, maybe when you're by yourself on like a rainy day or something, get Kiki, stick it somewhere off to the side so when that rainy day comes, you can just sit on the couch, chill out, try to Roll your mind back a few decades and just watch that movie. Yeah, and see if Ra- it doesn't see if it doesn't connect with you. A rainy, windy day.
1: Got to have some yeah. wind. Yeah, that that might, wouldn't hurt. Yeah, because that wind, ooh, it's the bad guy. <laughs> it's the enemy. All right, John. I thought this was I thought this was a lot of fun. Yes, it was nice to watch those movies again too. The I like giving you homework to too. Yeah, that was good. That was I good think as the host. Some,
0: some other genre that yes. I can make you watch
1: please do they do they do this with the book club they make me read things against yeah. my will so uh, you can make me watch things that's fine i don't mind all right. we can do this again all right well then i will close up this episode of the incomparable and i would like to thank john syracuse for spending the time and his knowledge of anime which i do not have um but again what a great director and a lot of great um a lot of great movies especially totoro and kiki i think uh, so until our next edition of the Incomparable Podcast, thanks again to John. I'm Jason Snell. We'll see you next time.
0: Da Ta-da. da, Ta-da. Ta-da. yeah. There you They're go. Short compared to like, seriously, I could actually do a scene by scene three hour okay. thing on any of these movies. I. I <laughs> well i know Nobody that wants the, that but. that was the other way to go
1: is that i feel like yeah like i said i think i could do an hour on just totoro and kiki and in fact i could do an hour on each of them
0: <laughs> yeah I, I wish i could could do have done a better job of convincing people that these movies might be something they'd be interested in because if you're listening to the show and you like the nerdy conversations that we normally have it's hard for me to to explain why i like these movies and why i think other people will but i think there's this whole swath of the population the nerd population who just avoid these entirely huh you know?
1: I mean, that's why I said that I find them, especially those two, charming. It's just like, you I can't help but smile while I'm watching them. They're nice. They're pretty. They're sweet. They're, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and they're what intelligent happens is not... and
0: interesting, you know?
1: Right. And the, and the plot is beside the point. And the fact that there is no conflict, I, I mean, I didn't mention this either, but, you know, with young kids, I think I think um, Totoro and Kiki are are... Um, go-to movies for young kids because there are are some kids that are uh, they really get disturbed by scary parts and conflict and there's no conflict
0: well, Totoro has a little. like I remember my children being a little bit scared when they first meet Totoro and he makes that very deep noise. And he's snoring. And everything. Yeah, like he's totally not scared, but that can bother kids. But Kiki just, there's nothing that's going to no, scare kids. Like, there's that mean and, girl. Yeah. And and the best thing about Kiki, the reason I, I, I love it so much, is because I, I feel like I'm putting. What I'm putting in front of them is like the highest quality things made by humans. But they can still enjoy it. I'm not putting them in front of crap. I'm putting right. them in front of something that they can keep watching for their entire life. And Ariety, uh, which I encourage you to watch my kids have seen it. As soon as it came out in Japan, I grabbed it and I watched it myself and I watched it with my kids and I read them the subtitles. And kids, you know, their their little minds are amazing. I read them the subtitles like once or twice and they both memorized the movie. And so they watch Arieti all the time with no subtitles on huh. in in Japanese. There's also not a lot of dialogue. You'll see that it's, you know, it's it's a different flavor than Miyazaki's movies, but that that charm and beauty and interest and like gentleness is all there, huh. uh, and they they love it. They they sit there and watch this movie in Japanese. It uh, I never even thought to try to tr- show them dubs for the other movies, but you know, yeah. Wait for the English one to come out now. I'm actually kind of scared to see it because the whole family has seen this movie 50 times now in Japanese, and it'll be weird to hear the American voices.
1: Yeah, I read The Borrowers when I was a kid, and we were we were actually yeah we were going to go see it, and we we didn't. There was it was sold out when we went to see it down in uh, Southern California.
0: Do they ever explain in the source material why they're called borrowers when they don't give anything back? <sighs> not that this is a major plot point, but it just it, it does bother me.
1: I Well, I'm trying to remember. I think I think the idea was that the borrowers could could give them back or it may have been that the borrowers <laughs> just It's like a turn that, of copyright. Well, I I think it was I think it was a little bit like um no, 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 we're not stealing it. We're just borrowing it. That yeah. it was almost like an understanding that that they were just putting a nice positive spin on the fact that they stole your pencils and used them as bedposts <laughs>
0: <laughs> or whatever they did with them. All right, and the other one I'd recommend for you is a uh, whisper of the heart. How old is your daughter? 10. Uh, maybe too old for this, but you, you can try Wh- whisper of the heart is, I don't know what you'd call it. It's more uh, a stereotypical girls movie, but it still is kind of a self-actualization thing. Uh, it also is kind of long and has a silly ending, but it's uh, give it a try.
1: All right, I I've looked it up here. I will I'll check it out.
0: And my daughter loves the Cat Returns, which is much more silly and but it does ah. have cats and it, it has a connection with Whisper of the Heart. A lot of these movies are connected in strange ways. So huh. I would not recommend the Cat Returns unless you, unless you have a four year old daughter who likes cats.
1: I I have uh, no, I have a ten year old daughter. I had a four year old daughter who likes cats um, six
0: years ago. Yeah. You're, you're a little bit past my my programming, my Japanese yeah. animation inspired programming. And yeah. and by the way, I should have mentioned the show. I could not keep my daughter away from Disney movies. She found oh, I, them. I, my wife loves them. It I was impossible. I couldn't keep my daughter away
1: from them. Anyway, we didn't dress her in pink or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, she just went yeah. into a princess phase, and you couldn't. It's I mean, really you just tough. couldn't stop it. And yeah. she got she got through it. But um, you know, and and so we had we tried to give it. We tried to show her the good ones. So we 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 had um but boy we watched sleeping beauty way too many times.
0: A lot of they've seen we've seen them all. And like I just I just pray that like my massive foundation of Studio Ghibli movies right. like I've just laid the bedrock there so that the princess phase it will come and it will go but underneath it all will be Kiki and, right. and Nausicaa, you know. Yeah. Kiki saving that boy at the end of the movie, you know. It's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah I mean the disney stuff is is fine, but it doesn't really send the right message no no
0: it doesn't it has music that they like, but no, yeah I, yeah those movies bother me immensely,
1: yeah, yeah. Sleeping Beauty's not that bad, some of them are really bad, <laughs> some of them are really really bad but uh but no we've we've i think we've exposed her to a lot of uh a lot of good stuff plus she's i mean plus she like know stuff about doctor who so yeah that's good
0: okay. so i've
1: totally ruined her for 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 for, for boys I think. or actually maybe she's perfect because they'll be like oh you know about doctor who well i you know i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah, there. Now, but i i have given her i've given her a, a nice little layer of of depth that she can either take advantage of or completely deny
0: but she you know i've done all, i've done all i can so far yeah sometimes i feel like i may i I question what I'm doing because, like I said, my kids have been watching *Princess Mononoke*. My daughter is four, and she repeatedly requests *Princess Mononoke*. And after you watch that movie, if you would ask me, is this appropriate to show to a four-year-old? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not appropriate to show to a four-year-old. But she's she's a tough cookie. She's that, not that's scared. Why by watched, it. Um, that's why we
1: watched. That's uh, why uh, we watched *Nausicaa*. No, no. What what did I what did I watch today? Oh, uh, *House Moving Castle* today. Is is because I looked at the ratings for both of them, and it looked like Howl's Moving Castle was considered less intense, yeah, than than the other one. And uh, but and like, uh, my son, my son is still.
0: There were parts of even in Howl's Moving Castle that he was like, I don't want to watch this part. Yeah, my, my, my son at seven and my daughter at four are about the same level of tolerance of wow. scary my, things. She's,
1: so she's tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, she is a tough. And but but like I'm thinking like why do you like this? Cause it is totally not a girl. It's a boys adventure movie. There's dismemberment. I mean, <laughs> you wow. watch it and think about my four hour watching it, but she loves it. I mean, there's something mm-hmm. about it that just, I don't know. It's connecting with their little, you know, it's reaching into their little brains and doing something. And so I'm hoping I'm not scarring her for life, but I think, I think <laughs> she, I think she can handle it. I think, I feel like that she's, I feel comfortable with everything I'm Di- showing her. You know, you different know? kids
1: react to stuff differently. A friend of mine, her son, um, he's 8 i think now and he couldn't watch he may still not be able to watch fiction but he couldn't watch fiction things he he could watch like documentaries like shows about like this is how you know these are these are trucks that are building a building right he loved stuff like that but um you know and he got really into like star wars related like books and pictures and things but had never seen star wars because he was he was like I think, and I think it was the conflict thing. I think like having bad people doing mean things really freaked him out. And I, I told her that she should show him Kiki yep. because yep. there is no conflict in this movie. <laughs> Nothing. No mean people are in this movie except for the one mean witch who tells
0: her to, huh,
1: you can't even fly. Ha, ha, ha. And then she leaves and that's it. <sighs> she's just kind of uh,
0: stuck up. Yeah. Yeah. She's and that, not that, that, That's an example of a bad dub i'm i tell fortunes about love oh, you're yeah. not a good actor that kid is not a good actor no <laughs> did you see that cat i have the whole freaking movie memorized
1: yeah i've seen that one a lot of times i, I should go well you mentioned the, the 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 witch in the woods i'm like you mean janine garofalo
0: <laughs> mm, yeah yeah well yeah that's yeah it was of its but time she, but she did a good job she did sure and it doesn't, it's not drawn like her, so it's, no. it's the worst when it's and like it's not an American, Daria. Uh, American celebrity <laughs> and it's drawn like that right. character as they want to, you know, the Disney thing. That was, yeah. Or the DreamWorks thing. Yeah. The worst.
1: All right. That was, this was great. Thank you for staying up and, yep. and making sure that there's a show this week. Sure enough.